Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 269. You know, if you just try to attack everything um, and run through it too fast, you're never actually going to accomplish what you're trying to do. So if you, if you pick and choose and prioritize your goals and attack them one by one and really focus on each one, then in the long term, you're going to be successful. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by world barista champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. Menuvative by iMenuTech has been the pioneer of cloud to tablet menu publishing for over five years. By using Menuvative, you'll reduce your costs, increase guest spending, and provide a better guest experience by being more informative. Find the banner in the show notes or head over to iMenuTech.com to learn more. Again, that's iMenuTech.com. One more time, iMenuTech.com. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Kevin O'Donnell. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Today I am. (laughs) (laughs) Almost every day. Yes, sir. All right. So Kevin attended Johnson & Wales Culinary Institute and sharpened his culinary edge working at restaurants like Ristorante Zeppelin in... uh, Orvieto, Italy, Castle Hill in Rhode Island, Del Posto in New York City, and uh, his first role as executive chef was served at a restaurant, and you just told me how to say this, but I already forgot, so just say it for us so I don't brutalize it too bad. Uh, it's called uh, Re- Restaurant Locis. <laughs> restaurant Locis in Paris, yeah. France, and uh, in 2012, Kevin arrived in Boston and took an opportunity with owners Michael Moxley and Jim uh, and Jim Koshner at the Salty Pig <laughs> as executive chef. Uh, today, he remains with the same partners and with the addition of uh, Chef Michael Lombardi and serves as co-executive chef and partner at SRV Restaurants. And uh, you're here today, Chef, because Jillian Rocco calls you out. And I can't wait to, to you know dive into your story, to gather your advice, your mentorship. But before we do that, we need to get that uh, motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote mantra. Yeah, what do you got for us, man? So I, I used to play basketball when I was younger, um, stopped playing sports around the time that Michael Jordan um, was done playing basketball. So I feel like connected to him. We both stopped around the same time. All right. uh, so a lot, of my, a lot of my quotes and stuff that I pull from, you know, trying to get inspiration to, to talk to and people and motivate teams is stuff that he says. So there's one that he has that, goes like this talent wins games but teamwork and intelligence wins championships Mm. and that's pretty important to me because for a couple reasons um 
one of our one of our partners here actually has a similar quote. It doesn't sound the same, but it has kind of a similar meaning. So Jim always says, uh, this business is more like a marathon as opposed to a sprint. And what he means by that is, you know, if you just try to attack everything um, and run through it too fast, you're never actually going to accomplish what you're trying to do. So if you, if you pick and choose and prioritize your goals and attack them one by one and really focus on each one, then in the long term, you're going to be successful. I love it. There's so much so, value in what you just shared Michael with us. Jordan. I love it. And um, uh, so, yeah, awesome way to get started. I can't wait to dive into your story now. So uh, why don't you take us through just some snapshots of how you got into this industry, uh, what you were thinking when you first got your start, and kind of the path you took to get to where you are today. Uh, sure. So I started off um, like many chefs uh, working in the kitchen. So I started off as a dishwasher at this, you know, just like local dumpy divey diner place um in the in the state so i grew up in rhode island so um just like a local diner um washing dishes it was actually so my second job ever was in the restaurant business my first my first job was i was a cabana boy at a beach club that lasted (laughs) about a summer i think i was 15 years old and then ever since that uh the only jobs i ever had were in restaurants awesome um so started off dishwasher and then from there i just kind of you know, I was interested. Um, I love to eat. So that was a big perk for me that I could actually eat while I was working. And, um, the cooks would just feed me and feed me and feed me and I wouldn't stop. Um, so from there I, I got a job at like a, a pizza shop and a sub shop and just kind of bounced around at like local kind of like really simple mom and pop spots like that. Um, so and the, then I found myself at this time. Yeah, did ahead. you have any like inclination or any idea that you were going to make this your career or are you just kind of keeping no. busy with work? I was just keeping busy with work. Yeah. Um, so when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I actually decided that I wasn't going to go to college. That okay. was, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I decided I was going <laughs> to do, but I, I decided that college wasn't really for me. Okay. Um, so I kind of explored, you know, a lot of different ideas. You know, when I was, when I was younger, I, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to, nice. um, you know, I had definitely goals and aspirations. Um, teaching was definitely one of the biggest ones, but for me, I didn't, I didn't really want to go to college. So I was like, well, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? How am I going to you know, have a career or, um, have a great life if I don't go to college and get a degree and do everything that, you know, it's so regimented that people tell you you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of lost for a bit and found myself, you know, getting more and more in depth in the restaurant business. And um, let's put a you know, time. To this. How at, old were you? Like, give us a time frame. Like, how old were you when you were lost? Um, how old was I? Well, maybe between the ages of sixteen and. 19. Okay. So I wouldn't expect a lot a few of years. Yeah, I wouldn't expect a lot of people to really have a clear idea of where they're headed. So when did you start to develop that clear idea and realize, Hey, maybe, maybe this work that I'm doing, I, I love it. And you know, I want to make this my career. When did that uh, start to form for you? So when I get a job at um, this like local Italian American right. place that is a pizzeria and um, also like a full service Italian restaurant, and I worked for, uh, who is now a really good friend and also still a mentor. Uh, his name is Walter Slater and he really inspired me. And, um, I think I was 19 years old when I get a job with him. Okay. And you know, when I took the job with him, I still, in my mind, I'm like, 
you know, I didn't decide that I wanted to be in this business. I didn't decide that I want to go to college. Um, but he really, he taught me, you know, a lot of the basics of cooking and inspired me to, to learn. And, um, how did he, he went inspire to you to do else, that? So, like, was there anything in particular that you recall that really, you know, lit that inspiration for you? He, so he just was very, he's a great teacher. Um, he's really talented. He's really smart and he doesn't put up with anybody's shit. And I think that at that point in my life, that's exactly what I needed because, you know, because like I said, I was kind of lost and like, you know, I just wanted to party and have fun and do what everybody else is doing. They're 18 years old. So Guilty. he saw that and, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> he saw that and was able to kind of like bring me back down. And, you know, it's not that he told me what to do. It's not that he, um, you know, it was like this, this crazy boss that was like, you can't party, you can't do this. But he did it in a way that, you know, he was younger. I think he was like 24, 25 at the time mm. um, when I worked with him. And he just, he had a very good way of, of training and, and creating consequences for, you know, when I showed up an hour late because I was hungover or when I, you know, showed up a couple hours late because my car got towed at going to the beach all day <laughs> and I had to go to my work shift at three o'clock. So he just had a really good way of, of correcting problems and, and dealing with younger kids like myself. Awesome. I love it. And uh, so was he the one that encouraged you to maybe uh, attend Johnson & Wales Culinary Institute? Yeah, he was. Okay. He was. And um, he, so because he went there, he knew about the program. Awesome. So I would go to class and I actually worked full time when I went to Johnson & Wales. So um, I did their continuing education program on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm -hmm. And because a, a big part of the reason why I didn't want to go to college is because I didn't want to be in debt. Uh, when I was so younger, sorry. I was like, yeah, deathly afraid of being in debt. <laughs> Man, I wish um, I had that intuition like really, when I, I was younger. <laughs> so, so part of the part of the draw to go into Johnson & Wales is I found out that they had this continuing ed program where I could go on Saturdays and Sundays, which okay. was kind of tough in the restaurant industry because I, I mean, I couldn't work Saturday or Sunday. Okay. Uh, but Walter was willing to work on that because he had this, you know, essentially a protege that was exactly. going to school and learning and then coming back to his restaurant. So, um, I actually worked two, two jobs, uh, went to, so I did like a breakfast job in the morning and then went to Walter's restaurant at night, um, and then school on the weekend. So I, seven days a week I was busy. Um, but it led to zero debt, which was huge. So how long did it take you um, from the time that you met Walter and uh, the time that uh, you were starting to get formed and shaped and mentored by him to kind of uh, the, have that difference of opinion, to have that, that shift where now you want to go to school? Like, what, How old were you? You said you were 16, 19, where you were kind of lost. How old were you when you made the decision to, to commit to this career? Uh, I think I was 20. Okay. Yeah, I was 20 years old. Yeah, I mean, it took less than a year of working with Walter wow. to realize that, you know, I was I – was, I had a, an opportunity here. This is something that I can make a career out of. I enjoy doing it. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, I just want to take a pause so. just to, to reflect on the power of mentorship because one of the biggest lessons with these interviews is not to just be a job to somebody, but to be a mentor to somebody and to, uh, you know, to create those people that are going to be uh, replacing you someday and to invest in other people. This industry is about people, growing people, investing in other people, being a mentor. And you said, it's funny, uh, you always wanted to be a teacher. 
and that's, that's a funny inclination. And you, you pointed out Walter's ability to be a teacher. Like the best leaders are teachers. And uh, I just wanted to point yeah. that out. And uh, this job can be so Definitely. rewarding if you are, you know, if you let it be rewarding. So uh, let's kind of fast forward. You went to the culinary, uh, sorry, the um, Johnson and Wales uh, Culinary Institute and uh, you started that's when you got your internship. You you went over to uh, Italy. Let's let's kind of kind of snapshot those steps you took to kind of where you are now. Yeah. So um, you know, it came time to choose my externship, and I still didn't really have a path in terms of like what type of restaurants I wanted to work in. I grew up, um, you know, I'm predominantly an Italian American family. There's you know, O'Donnell. I have the Irish side, and then <laughs> um, the other side is um, a lot of Italian Americans. So. I grew up eating like, you know, very classic Italian American food that, um, you know, I still love to this day. So externship came around. I'm like, where am I going to go? I'm still young. Part of me is like, ah, let's go. Let me go to some Island in the Caribbean and go work on some resort and just have fun and mess around for like a few months. And, um, you know, I'm glad I decided that was a horrible idea Mm. and decided that Italy was the right choice. And, um, you know, to travel and to, to work and gain as much knowledge as I could. Mm, awesome. Uh, and I'm curious, uh, uh, it seems like at, at some point um, you maybe got a little more intentional with where you're working. Can you reflect back on your career uh, and kind of narrow it down to a point where it wasn't just about getting a job, but it was about taking jobs intentionally to get to the next point, to get that resume built. Can you think back to when that, that transitional point started to happen for you? Yeah, I can. So, after my externship in Italy, which was only four months, um, I met uh, my second mentor, who's also a very good friend of mine. His name is Aaron Edwards. So he owned this small uh, Italian restaurant in, in a town called East Greenwich in Rhode Island. Okay. And it was called Trattoria del Corso. And he was, so he took everything that Walter taught me and just kind of like exemplified it and, and amplified everything awesome. and really instilled passion about Italian food. And, um, it was perfect timing because I had just come back from Italy and now I met this, this new chef is in, you know, this new chef, Aaron, who's passionate about Italian food. So it just, we got along really well and he was my next mentor. He was, um, the chef owner of the restaurant, but he hired me as his chef's cuisine, which at the time I think I was 21 years old, um, totally in over my head. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he definitely saw something in me and took a chance in me. And, you know, I worked, I worked hard, um, you know, took his, his instruction well and learned a lot from him, but I was definitely too young and definitely not experienced enough for the role that I was in. You know, I found myself having a hard time, like answering questions that the cooks had or executing an idea that I had in my mind. You know, I could come up with this elaborate idea of, of a dish but when it came time to actually execute it, I didn't have the skills mm. that I needed to do it because I was young. I was 21 years old. I Absolutely. only worked at a couple of different restaurants. So, um, so at that point, that's when I realized if I continue on this path, I'm not going to be successful. If I continue, you know, in the management role that I was in now, you know, kind of uh, prematurely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the chef that I wanted to be. So I took a step back and I actually, um, left Trattoria del Corso, the, the Italian restaurant that Aaron owned, and went back to Italy for this time, like two and a half years. Um, and that was really the moment that kind of 
um, was like changing for me, life changing and, uh, really created some great opportunity. Awesome. And you know, just one lesson, um, from that is that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're not growing, if you're, if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not learning new things and, really just making it about improving yourself, creating assets with knowledge for yourself, then you're not getting, if you're not going one way, you're going the other way. And, you know, time is an important asset and you only have so much of it. So you have to make the most of that time to develop yourself. So you, you can have, I mean, your career is only so long in this industry. Your body only works for so long. You got to make the most of that time early <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I mean, that's a great yeah. lesson to learn for you to push yourself to, to expand and to, you know, go to the next level. So, um, I'm curious. Uh, you, let's kind of fast forward. I'm really interested in this relationship you have with uh, Chef uh, Michael um, uh, Lombardi. Lombardi. Thank you. I'm drawing him. How do you forget a name like Lombardi? Yeah. Um, <laughs> at what point did you meet him? Because doing my research, it looks like you guys met each other, and there was a real strong friendship that emerged here. And correct me if I'm wrong, or is this something that you know evolved over time, or like how is that? I'll just let you take it. We, uh, yeah. So it was actually like, you know, love at first sight, man. We, <laughs> we hit it off right away. <laughs> we, um, so we met, we met in Italy. I, when I went back after working at the Italian restaurant with Aaron, when I went back to Italy, um, to be a- actually like a hired cook, mm-hmm. um, I was actually a, the chef Lorenzo, who's, um, the owner of the restaurant in Italy. I was a sous chef. And when I went back there, to, to live for a couple of years, Michael was doing his externship through the CIA. Mm. So that's where we crossed paths and that's where we met. Um, and we hit it off right away. You know, he's, we have very similar work ethics and, um, you know, desires to learn and to constantly be growing and pushing ourselves. So, you know, when I met him amongst a larger group of externs and, um, you know, other students that were constantly kind of coming through the revolving door of the restaurant in Italy, um, we really saw something in each other and kind of, uh, gravitated towards each other. What did you see in him? You know, because of, because of our work ethic, um, his design, you know, the same, same things that, that I wanted to get out of my experience in Italy. He wanted to get, you know, some people, what did you want? Maybe to they were too young and they just, I wanted to learn. I wanted to be a sponge. I wanted to travel the country and just eat as much food everywhere that I went. Um, I wanted to master or at least try to master making pasta. So he and I would just spend, you know, siesta, all the other cooks, all the other staff would go home. You know, the restaurant was open for lunch and dinner, but lunch was from 1130 to two, maybe. And then dinner, we didn't open until 730. Okay. So we had the afternoon where, you know, some of the cooks that didn't really care, didn't really, um, you know, want to be bothered by spending more time in the restaurant. Didn't have to, but he and I would stay and just mess around with new pastas. And, um, the chef was really, uh, generous and let us, you know, kind of use this kitchen and be like, okay, well, we don't have anything to do, but if you guys want to play around with some new pasta ideas or some new dishes, go for it. So, you know, we'd be there every single day making pasta, um, evaluating it, trying to learn and, you know, study as much as we could. Um, so that's kind of where it started for us. I mean, some huge things I just want to make sure we're taking away from this is, you know, first, you know, finding other people, like-minded people and feeding off that energy and going back and forth and just, you know, when you can share your passions, when you can have somebody who shares that same level of a passion, you know, take that for all it's worth and learn and focus on learning. And that's one thing that is such a like common 
characteristic of successful people. They want to learn constantly. They're curious. They're always looking to figure out new things like you did with the pasta. And then the other thing to take away from this on the opposite side, on the, the management leadership side, enable these opportunities that like you said, like the guy, yeah. the executive chef, he was, he wasn't, you know, upset that you were in his way in the kitchen during off hours, like using product. Like he was, he saw that I'm sure as an investment, like you're there to learn and he probably loved every second of that. So are you creating this culture where you can enable other people to, to take it to the next level. Uh, and then that's what I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. This, this culture there. That's awesome. Do you yeah, want to I, think add to I think it's important. Um, no, I think you, you hit it right in the head. I mean, um, you know, it's easy for somebody to say, you know, you know, why are you going to come use my products and this is my money? You know, he was a chef owner, mm-hmm. um, but you're absolutely right. He saw something in us and um, realized that we were learning and growing and, um, you know, just contributing to, the culture of, of his restaurant. And, you know, I, I think it kind of trickled down and got other people interested and excited. And, um, so yeah, I think it's a great, it's a great thing for people to empower, um, you know, younger people, you know, I was 20, 21 years old, 22 years old, Michael, same uh, around the same age, you know, and we were hungry and, and he let us, he let us eat. Awesome. I love it. And uh, I'm curious, like when I was reading a about you and chef Michael um, it seems like you both had a similar dream around this time that was starting to develop a vision that was coming into the picture um, is it is is it safe to say that uh, SRV restaurant is that vision uh, I mean is that taking too much of a stab in the dark no I mean so he after after Italy he moved to New York um, and got a job at Del Posto, which, you know, it's one of the best, best Italian restaurants in the country. Mm-hmm. And the whole time we kept in touch, um, you know, we, we were really good friends in Italy and, and continued that friendship on. So, mm-hmm. um, eventually he talked me into moving to Del Posto. Okay. Like, you know, we, we need to cook. We, there's a job opportunity for you here. I talked to the chef, wants to meet you. So, uh, went down, got the job offer and then, um, just kind of picked up and left. I was in Rhode Island at the time and, uh, lived on his, on his, on an air mattress on his floor in, in Queens <laughs> for a life. few weeks until I found a place of my own. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, from there, that's, that's kind of where when we started working together at Del Posto. That's when the serious talks of like, you know, working together, maybe opening a restaurant together one day. And then from there, um, you know, it just got more and more serious and the talks and the planning and, the goals of opening up an Italian restaurant together. I just want to slam on the brakes. Necessarily... I got to slam on the brakes right now because I just want to really like, unless you're, 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 you need to make a point that's going to derail this entire conversation. I'll let you go. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the power. Okay. So the thing that's really just standing out and singing to me right now is uh, the power of, of visioning and the power of having somebody else with you that shares the same visions and passions. And it seems like you guys brought the greatness out of you. And I'm totally speculating right now and feel free to correct me. Uh, but when you have somebody who is sharing a vision, um, you can get those visions out. You can dream with each other. And when you say these things out loud, when they're not just in your head, when you can, I don't know if you guys got them out on paper or if it was just daydreaming after the, a long day, having a drink together and just wondering what it would be like. Uh, but when you have somebody else to get those thoughts out loud and to paint those pictures, uh, do you think that influenced this relationship at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I think, 
where we have a lot of similarities in terms of like our style of cooking and, and our passion to, to teach and to educate and to, to push people beyond their limits in a positive way. We also have um, some differences where, you know, we kind of make up each other's, I don't want to say faults, but um, you know, we're a good partnership in terms of like, you know, where I may lack um, some knowledge in something or what have you, he, he picks right up on that. So, so you guys, um, you, you know, guys, we work well together. You guys complement each other as far as the, together your knowledge is greater. But what about strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. How do how does he complement your weaknesses, and how do you complement his weaknesses? Uh, wow, we could make a whole hour out of that. <laughs> um, I mean, he so he comes from so he's he had a different kind of entry into the restaurant business. Okay. Um, you know, he, so he went to, he has a business degree, um, which, you know, because, so he, he has a business degree after, after his, uh, undergrad, he decided that he wanted to go to CIA. So that alone is a big, um, differentiating factor in, in terms of like where our heads were at, you know, where I, I knew I wanted to open a restaurant, but didn't necessarily, um, have the same sort of like business mindset to it. I did learn you know, I had, I had great mentors, uh, as chef owners, I was fortunate enough to work for a couple of really great chef mentors that, um, also owned their own business. So was able to learn it kind of that route, but he, I think having a business degree and learning other types of businesses and having a mindset like that really opens it up to being a little bit more creative and, and open-minded in terms of your, your approach to business. Um, you know, I think a lot of restaurants can be like very, um, you know, thinking in one way, you know, thinking about the dollar, um, you know, making money, cutting costs here, but there's a lot of other ways to, to go about operating a business, even if it's a restaurant or, or anything. Um, so I think the business side of things, um, you know, he offers a lot of great insight, um, you know, as a, as a business mind, um, you know, as a numbers guy, he's yeah. really, really smart. So be honest um, with me. So it's, you, great, it's great to have a partner that... I bet. And I'm curious, uh, when you when you were first getting to know him, when this relationship was growing, did you see this part of him? Was that something that you always kind of had in the back of your mind? Like, I need to hang on to this guy. He's got assets that I'm lacking. And if I want to make it in this challenging world, like, you know, you're only as good as your team. Is that something that was, you know, uh, I guess... Were you aware of this strength before you really developed to, to be the partnership? Honest, to be honest, I, I didn't really think about it that way. Um, I think the more the more I got, or the more we got serious in talking about it, and the more I started to really like delve in and, and um, do research and figure out like how this is all going to come to fruition and how we're actually going to open up a business. Was at that point, I was like, "Holy, holy crap! Maybe I'm in a little bit over my head here. Maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did, mm-hmm. or maybe." you know, there's, a, there's a lot for me to, to learn here. Um, and it, it has, I don't think it had any bearing or anything to do with our relationship or, or saying like, Oh yeah, I need to stick with this guy because he's a smart business guy. Yes. Um, you know, he'd never operated a business. He just went to, you know, he had a college degree in business. So, um, you know, I wasn't actually practicing. I hear you. So I'm curious. Let's let's fast forward. You went back overseas. Uh, you were in Paris for a while. Uh, you know, sharpening your edge, becoming a, a leader, uh, serving as the first time as executive chef, and then you came back to the states uh, and you partnered up with uh, Michael Moxley and Jim. Uh, 
coach. I don't know why I can't say his name. Coachner. <laughs> say it for me one more time. You got it. You got it. Coachner. Coachner. Thank you very much. Uh, let's kind of talk through how that unfolded and how they found you and uh, what that, that process of opening the Salty Pig was like. Or, yeah, the Salty Pig. Um, so the, the salty pig was actually open, um, okay. by the time I got there. Gotcha. Um, and actually Jillian, so Jillian Rocco was, was the open, opening general manager. So when I interviewed with, with Mike and Jim, I had just left Paris, um, moved back, uh, in I think August or the end of July of, I'm horrible with years, but it was about five years ago. So, okay. um, moved back end of July and I ended up interviewing with Mike and Jim in, I think, September or, or late August of that year. Okay. And um, we hit it off. I mean, they so they they owned three restaurants at the time. Um, they were looking for a new chef. I think they were about a year to a year and a half into the Salty Pig being open. Okay. And I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of opportunity working with them. I saw a lot of opportunity working at the Salty Pig. Um, it kind of reminded me, actually, of that first restaurant that I, I worked with with my good friend and mentor Walter, where it was, you know, a pizzeria, full service Italian awesome. kind of style menu. Um, so I saw a lot of great opportunity there in terms of like menu creating and, and, you know, stuff that I was familiar with, but also charcuterie, which, um, is one of the main focuses of the salty pig. Um, you know, I was really interested in, I had actually staged, um, at a Salo Maria in, in Italy for a few months. So, you know, I was really passionate about it and, and the curing and the, you know, making of charcuterie pâtés, et cetera. Um, so I, I thought it would be, you know, a great opportunity. Awesome. So um, I, you kind of piqued my, my interest a little bit. You said you got back in July and it was around September where you started picking things up with the Salty Pig. What was what was the reason for you to come back stateside? Was it Did they approach you? Was there an opportunity on the table or were you just done with your time well, in, in Paris? I think so. We, we got a go back <laughs> even a couple years before that. So when I was at Del Posto working with Michael, um, Del Posto was kind of like my post traveling the world. You know, I'd spent a few years like all over the place, Italy, all over Italy, multiple different trips. Um, you know, and I was kind of ready to be, to be home or, or at least ready to set some, some roots somewhere and really start to, um, you know, have some longevity and like really, developed my career a little bit more. So I was really enjoying Del Posto. Um, I was just starting to climb the ranks. Mm. I was about eight months in, um, starting to climb the ranks. And then right when I reached, uh, about a year point, I, I was approached by, um, this Parisian guy that, that I became friends with, uh, long story, but through the James Beer foundation. Um, and he contacted me and said that he's opening up this restaurant in Paris. And if I knew of anybody that wanted to be a chef, to open the restaurant and two weeks later, I mean, long story short, two weeks later, Michael and I took a flight to Paris and took the job and opened the restaurant together. Um, so I was at this point that I was ready to like start setting up roots in the States close to home, close to Rhode Island, close to my family. New York was close enough. I was really happy, had this great job. Um, and it was just kind of like presented with this opportunity that was really hard for me to turn down, even though, you know, I kind of had enough of like moving around and living away from home and, um, but I took it. And so I spent a year in Paris. Uh, the restaurant was, had incredible, like 
unfathomable success that, you know, we didn't even imagine could be possible. Um, we had a great opportunity. We had a great time. And at the end of the year, I was, I was just ready. I was ready to come back home. I was ready to be close to family again. Um, heard. So, so you were with Chef Lombardi so, this entire time uh, when you were overseas again? Or is it a different uh, Not the Michael? entire time, no. So he, no, that's the same Michael. Okay, so cool. he, um, he was, you know, we both, because it was such like a last-minute decision, um, we had subletted our, our apartment in Brooklyn together. We were living together in Brooklyn at the time with a couple other roommates. Um, his girlfriend was still living in Brooklyn. She, um, so she moved into our apartment just to kind of help us out because it was very last minute. So, um, you know, at, at my point in my life, I was able to kind of escape and disappear for a year, but he had a lot more ties. Um, you know, his girlfriend was still living in Brooklyn. Um, we don't we don't need so to get he, into all yeah, that. Yeah, so guess, he went but, back after a few months. Uh, I'm just really intrigued by this partnership that you guys spent so much of your your life to, or your career together, growing together, moving on together. I think that's just so cool. That doesn't happen so often. Sometimes, I mean, you have long careers in one spot, but you guys have been kind of feeding off each other, supporting each other this entire time. I think that's so cool. Even up to today with SRV, and I think we should probably spend some time talking about this situation um you called him over to come join you again to partner in srv so what what is srv to you like when you're planning this this restaurant and you know what is it about this partnership and what you're doing in srv that's making you so successful if you had to summarize um so we i mean we decided to do this together um and it's you know we had a lot of different ideas and in terms of opening up an italian restaurant it wasn't necessarily you know, SRV isn't the end all be all in, in terms of, um, like Italian restaurant concepts. I think we saw a great opportunity in the neighborhood that we're in, in the South end to, to have this restaurant that's, you know, energetic and fun to go to, but has multi levels of, um, dining experiences. You know, you can come in and, and, uh, stand at the Baccaro, which is, um, this like standing room only bar area, which was something that, Michael and I love to to go to places like this when we lived in Italy together or when we lived in France. There was this another another wine bar that was really similar to this concept that, you know, some of the food is like made right in front of you when you're standing in the bar. It's all standing room only. It's That's it's awesome. fun. You go, you, you have a couple glasses of wine. So we wanted to recreate that um, in this neighborhood and people have been really open to it and, and it's starting to really catch on and people are loving it so yeah i, I love um, you know that was a big part of the restaurant for us i love when people um open restaurants because of what it means to them the experiences they had it it, it brings back memories and it, it holds a special part um it's not just a restaurant it's not just something that they create to make money it, there's things about this restaurant that sing with your memories and who you are it almost tells your story of you know what you went through to get to where you are today is that too much to say no i, I think you're i think you're right and i think a lot of it was like what type of place do we feel like is missing from, from Boston right now? You know, the city of Boston has grown so much and it has so many amazing restaurants right now. And, uh, we just saw this opportunity. We were like, well, what, what are, what are some of our favorite places? You know, we've traveled the world together. What, you know, what are some of the great places that we've been to that we want to try to recreate or, or reinterpret in our own way that would translate well in Boston? So SRV that ha- you guys have a total of four partners. Am I right? Correct. So, yep. explain so to me the the benefits um, of having. Some people shy away from partnerships, uh, but I've 
I can't help but notice that if you find the right partners, um, you know, if you the the pie is always better to be you know shared. Like uh, if you ha- if you have those right partners. So what are talk to me about these uh, the the I don't know the working partnership. Who does what and how it's all divided and how you guys stay sane with four partners. <laughs> so it's a great question. So um, I think you know when Michael and I worked together at the Salty Pig and worked with Michael and Jim, uh, Mike and Jim, Mike Mosley and Jim Koshner, the two owners of, of, uh, this, the Coda group, which is the restaurant group that SRV is a part of. Um, and now, so SRV is the fourth restaurant. We learned a lot from them. They, you know, they operate, um, you know, great businesses and, um, you know, really have their own skill set. So Jim is, Jim is a, a really talented, um, I think business person, but also, you know, has a lot of, lot to offer in terms of like fixing things and, and, uh, the management side of things. He's, he's great with, um, with people. Uh, and then Mike Mosley also great with HR also, you know, is really talented with beverage programs and, uh, you know, everybody has their own part in the restaurant, but it's almost like, it's not decided. It's not like, okay, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of that. Everybody works really well together. And that's, one of the big draws for the four of us to be partners together is that we don't have to necessarily say you're in charge of this, you're in charge of that. We just all kind of mesh well. And the, the strengths of Michael and I working together where he picks up where I leave off, the four of us do that really well together. And um, yeah, I think we're really lucky to have, you know, four people that a get along so well together, but also um, are able to work together and accomplish things that we want to accomplish together. So, and make decisions together that that we can all uh, be happy with. I'm curious because SRV is a, a a a portion of a bigger restaurant group with a total of three restaurants, correct? Yeah. So the Coda the Coda Group is um, a total of four restaurants, and four SRV restaurants. is the newest. So, yeah. um, are you yep. partners with all these other people, or I mean, do you guys all? No. Is, okay. Just right. SRV. So Michael Lombardi and I are just partners in SRV. Okay. Um, and then Mike and Jim are, are partners in the other three restaurants. There's okay. no other partners that they have. Um, so really, it's it's great to work in in like a small network like that where there's not, you know, there's not too many chiefs all over the place. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I'm interested in how this all works. How it's fair for everyone because I'm assuming. I mean, do they? Do they break it up? I mean, they must. Do they get smaller percentages of each restaurant? Uh, to to, I mean, how do they make it work? I'm curious on that side of things. If you don't mind, kind of shining a light on the the appropriate way to have multiple restaurants to bring in partners and to make it appealing for everyone. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't think I understand the question. So, uh, what do you what do you mean by that? When you have uh two guys like you got um. Michael and Jim, who are both partners, uh, they own three other yep. restaurants. Are, are they equal partners in each restaurant, or do they take a smaller percentage uh, to make it more worthwhile for the partners who might only have share in one restaurant? So they are they are the only owners of, of the Coda Group, okay. um, the other three restaurants. It's just them. Gotcha. Um, you know, they built it. They built it from the ground up. They didn't. You know, they don't have. Uh, multiple partners all over the place. And I think that's, you know, one of the benefits um, to working with them is that, 
you know, when decisions need to be made, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to sit down at the round table together mm-hmm. and make decisions. I got you. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I talked to a lot of people. We never really dive into the, how they figure out, uh, the financial side of things and how it's all attractive for everyone. So I was just really curious about that. Um, all right. I think it's time we get, we had to talk about a failure. I mean, it's, it's been a kind of, it's been an absolute blast. Just, just, you know, tracking your, your, you know, how you got to where you are today. Uh, and it's just so interesting. I've never seen, uh, two people, you know, work together so much in different restaurants and part of their, their industry. So that was really interesting, but I want to find out a time where you just fell hard on your ass chef, a time where, you know, you just took away a massive lesson by, uh, you know, a decision, something you did wrong. Uh, take us through that moment. Tell us that story. I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think taking the job um, as chef de cuisine when I was a little bit, when I was, you know, much younger, I think was both a good thing for me, but also kind of set me back a lot. And um, I think a, a lesson that I learned from that is that, you know, I see this with, with younger cooks all the time, that they just want to climb the ranks so fast and they, maybe they graduate from culinary school and think that all they have to do is work at a restaurant and then they become a chef and they make all this money. And, you know, I, I started on that path of thinking I was ready to become a chef. I was ready to make money. I was ready to just focus on money and, and all that. And, um, you know, I think that that was in terms in one way a failure, but also in one way a success moment for me, um, you know, because I had to take a step back and realize I'm not ready for this. This is not, this is not a good role for me. Um, what would you say at the time? So was, what were your motives at that time? What were you chasing at that time? I, I think I didn't really have the right goals for myself. Um, you know, I didn't really think it through in terms of, well, what's the next step? What's my five-year plan? What's my 10-year plan? So I think in my mind, I was like, all right, well, I want to open up my own restaurant. I want to be a chef. And that was it. That was the end of it. I didn't think like, well, how am I going to do that? What are the best steps? for me to, to make that happen for me. So specifically these goals at that time were uh, opening a restaurant or were they more like climbing the ranks, getting the next title and making more money? I think, I think it was you know, climbing the ranks, make the money and then from there figure out how to open a restaurant, which is, you know, it's not the way to do it. It's so like, what is the way to do it? You got to figure out for me, for me it was, you know, I had to take a step back and realize, well, what, what type of restaurant do I want to, open what type of life do I want to have and I think that that's a big part of it too is like do I want to be you know I, I was a lot of my you know influential chefs like call them celebrity chefs or whatever were you know people like Marco Pierre White or Charlie Trotter um, you know chefs like that that super talented I look up to still even to this day but I think one of the things that I admired about them then was their work ethic and like their dedication. Mm. But at the same time now, now when I look back at it, like those are the things that I try that I want to avoid their, their dedication to the craft in terms of work life balance. And I think that that's super important. Um, you know, it can't just be about the restaurant business. It can't just be about work. It can't just be about your career. You have to find a way to balance the two and make sure that you have a quality of life and you create a quality of life for everybody else around you. Um, whether it's your employee or whether it's your coworker, um, I think that's super important. Absolutely. So what so I'm I found myself going down a path. 
Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so what I'm hearing from you is when you're, when you're younger, you were talking about just climbing, you know, putting the work in, getting ahead, getting the money, getting the titles. But now it's more about am I happy with what I'm doing? Am I showing up to work and creating a culture for myself and for other people where we can, you know, it's not necessarily I – mean, it doesn't necessarily have to feel like work. and We can balance it where I can enjoy the other you know, important aspects of my life. Is, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's something that sometimes lacks in this industry. Um, you know, people are, you know, can easily become obsessed with trying to be the best or trying to, um, you know, have this like, sometimes I don't want to say macho attitude about it, but you know, some people I've worked with a lot of people that thought it was cool to, you know, work 90 hours a week and not have a life. And, you know, and it's like, that's, that's the opposite of cool. That's, you know, I think you have to, you know, don't get me wrong. I spent a lot of years in my, in this career working like that. And I think that really got me to where I am today. And I think it's important for people to understand and to, to, to show dedication like that and commitment. I think that that's almost necessary to a certain degree for a certain amount of time, but it's not necessary to, it's not necessary, nor is it sustainable to mm. live like that and to have an entire career that's based around, working like that and doing that to your body and your mind. So real quick, just to summarize this awesome conversation we're having, um, sounds like if you could summarize what your, why your purpose was, I mean, I just picking up some of the things you said when you were younger, it would, it sounds like it was the passion for the food, the passion for Italian culture, the passion to, uh, grow professionally, to learn, to expand upon your, your knowledge. What would you say your, why is now your purpose is now? Um, so now, you know, going, going back to my dreams as a, as a kid of being a teacher, I think now, um, you know, I've able to found, find a way to, to teach and to, um, um, you know, inspire people, uh, through cooking or through whatever it is in the restaurant business. Um, and I think that that really kind of keeps me going and, and motivates me and excites me every day come into work to, to be surrounded by a great team of people in front of the house, back of the house, um, you know, that are hardworking and they themselves want to learn and grow. And I see a lot of what, um, what inspired me as a, as a young cook. Um, I see that a lot in the staff here and, yes. um, it's really exciting. I love it. And why is that approach way more impactful? Um, the approach of educating and teaching and the approach motivating of having the right purposes, the right motivating factors, the right. Why? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important to, to have a positive focus and have, have goals and have things that, um, you know, that make you happy. It's not just, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just about the business and running a successful restaurant. It's also about being happy and enjoying what you do. Um, and I think that at SRV, I'm able to have both because, it is, uh, you know, it is a successful restaurant so far and I'm, I am happy doing what I'm doing, you know, creating the food that we are and the culture and the, the workplace environment, uh, to create a place that not only people want to come to eat and come, people want to dine and, and have a great experience, uh, with hospitality, but also a place that people want to come to work at. And that was one of the biggest things for us opening SRV is that we create a place that people want to come to work. And it's not just, you know, I think a lot of a lot of restaurants, a lot of restaurants focus on the guests, and that's all they think about. And 
um, if we didn't have guests, we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't be able to open the doors. Um, so we're, we're thankful and we're grateful for the incredible guests that we have. And, and we constantly trying to think of ways to, you know, be better to them and, and create a great experience for them. But at the same time, we're constantly trying to think of and create better ways to treat our staff. Um, Awesome. Yeah, because I think that's that's a big part of it. Absolutely. This has been great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to bust out the speed round. Hang tight. When you're running a busy restaurant, it's pretty hard to find time for training. Well, Tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts, including world barista champions, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you actually selling food and beverage or are you just taking orders from a menu that says, here's what we have and here's what it costs? Blah. Modern consumers are addicted to smart devices and visual media is the best way to engage them with information. That is why more restaurants today are replacing their paper menus with Menuvative by iMenuTech. It's simple. Menuvative replaces your paper menus with tablets. This provides more room for photography, descriptive language, and wine pairings. Suggestive selling is now an inherent part of the modern menu experience. In my opinion, here's the best part. Menuvative preserves the integrity of the classic dining experience because it's not a kiosk and it does not replace the impactful service experience. What it does do is reduce costs, increase sales, improve more marketing and provide a better guest experience by being more informative to learn more head over to imenutech.com again that's imenutech.com all right we're back and the first question i have for you chef is what is one it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success uh i would say i think inspiring and, and teaching is something that really um, is able to uh, kind of pave the way for success in the restaurant business for me. And what is the best, most effective way to inspire other people? I think through, through compassion and through, um, you know, education and, and kind of leading by example and, um, you know, creating expectations for people and guidelines and, and holding people accountable for those expectations, mm. um, I think creates, you know, pretty, pretty great workplace. How do you approach that situation where, um, you talk to somebody and you set these goals and how do you make sure that you are holding them accountable? What, what do you have any like techniques you use or ways to remember, or is it just all in your head? I think, I think the restaurant business is, is really easy to, you know, feel overwhelmed or feel like you're too busy to sit down and talk to somebody. Um, but 
I think the restaurant business more than most is really important to, to make the time to talk to people and to have a conversation that's maybe not on the line on their station in the middle of things and, and following up with people and having constant check-ins um, and creating an open dialogue for mm. the team, uh, I think is really important. Awesome. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, let me say that again. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, all right. So sometimes I think um, maybe I can be a little bit too compassionate or maybe a little bit too forgiving. Um, you know, where sometimes it can work to my benefit, but um, I think sometimes it can also be a failure for me give and, me, and give be a me, weakness. Give me an example of a time that was a failure. Um, so I think, you know, when you're, when opening up this restaurant, I think, um, you know, it's hard sometimes to, to realize, you know, when you, you know, not everybody's going to work out, you know, you hire this team that you think is going to be great and you think is going to be, um, you know, kind of like agree to, to the terms that you set and to, to kind of drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just don't work out and, um, you know, you have to realize it's really hard because sometimes you can be understaffed, you know, this restaurant, um, businesses can be crazy like that, where you go through spurts of being great, you know, super staffed and, and ready to go. And then sometimes you just lose a couple of people and it kind of goes up and down a little bit. And when you go down, it's hard to, to stay focused. Mm. You know, when you lose staff or you're in a moment of being understaffed, it's really hard just to stay focused and make decisions that, are better for the long term of the of the restaurant and the team overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you're forced into hiring the wrong person because you feel desperate, or maybe you're forced into, um, you know, keeping a person that doesn't really fit in the team because you kind of feel like you need them. And I think it's moments like that where um, you know really kind of define um, who you are and and who you are as a leader. And and sometimes you just kind of have to make the hard decision and you know, it can be tough to do when you're feeling trapped or up against the wall. I, I want to make sure I'm understanding you. I think I understand what you're, you're saying. When you say go down, you're talking about going down a staff member or going down in the level of culture, the quality yeah, of going, the play. No, going, going down a staff member. And okay. I think that, you know, it's yeah. So going down, like if you lose a couple of staff members, sometimes you feel like you're, you're trapped, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, uh, a lot of times that's when people are forced to make a decision that they wouldn't normally make. Do you sometimes in terms of hiring? When you say your your weakness is your compassion, do you find do you give yourself too much your your people too much uh of a leash, too much uh, of a cushion to get away w- with not meeting the standard? Is that kind of uh, what you mean by having that be a weakness? No, I think it's I think it's I mean it by, you know, saying that sometimes maybe I have a, a harder time um, you know, when you have those moments of feeling up against the wall where yeah. you're trapped and, you know, you, you need to make a decision like that of, of feeling maybe a little bit too compassionate to individuals that may not belong on the team or giving somebody an opportunity that in any other day when you're not feeling so trapped, you would realize, mm, I don't think this person is the right fit. Mm. They don't have the right, like, social skills to, to do the job or to fit in or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing so, is don't ever sacrifice the the quality of person you set for yourself. And uh, yeah. even when your back's up against it, the pain you're going to get from having the wrong people on your team will be 
a worse pain and a worse impact on your business than having not enough people on your team. Definitely. Cause you, you spend so much time like creating this culture, um, which we have at SRV, which is amazing. You know, we're nine months in and we have this, this group of individuals working with us that believe in the culture and are, are helping us to create a culture and to constantly keep it evolving and mm. making sure that you, you find individuals that fit in with that culture and fit in with, uh, the rest of the team that are willing, are willing and, um, you know, they desire to, to continue to, to grow it. I love it. So what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? Um, I think I mentioned it before, but I think leading by example is one of the best mm. and most important ways to do it. I think sometimes young managers can be, you know, have a hard time balancing of like, delegating and telling somebody what to do, but it's important that the staff and the people that you're, you know, your subordinates, so to speak, are seeing you in the trenches and seeing you not afraid to dig in and, and get the job done no matter what the, the task, no matter what the cost. Um, so I think continuing to work as hard as you did to get to the job that you're at, you know, if you're, if you're working to become a manager, you're working your ass off, you're working hard. Once you get to that point, it doesn't stop. You have to continue working hard and you have to continue pushing yourself and pushing the staff uh, beyond boundaries that they thought that they, they could possibly work. Um, so I think that's really important. So how do you find that balance? Because still, you, if you get into that role of becoming a manager, you're going to have other responsibilities and you do want to lead by example. You do want to get in your hands and knees and scrub the tile and show that, hey, I'm willing to do this too. But how do you pick and choose your battles where you're not being spread too thin? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if there's, I, I think it's a lot of instincts, you know, that you have to just like trust your instincts and, and reading people and understanding, understanding the people that are working with you. If you feel like, you know, I think going back to what I said about like checking in with people constantly mm-hmm. and talking with people outside of the kitchen, um, you know, hearing how they're feeling and, you know, engaging, engaging it that way. It's like, if I feel like, you know, one of the cooks is, is having a hard time, let's say getting their, their protein temps down. Like they're having a hard time hitting medium rare on something. It's like, well, let me dig in and focus on that. Mm-hmm. Or if, or if they're feeling like, uh, man, why, why do we have to clean this much at the end of the night? Like, it's crazy how, how much we're scrubbing. You know, if I feel like they're starting to, to slip or if I feel like that one individual is starting to feel a little bit uh, burnt out for that, then it's like, all right, well, let me, let me show you what I'm looking for. Let me, mm. let me be the one to, to clean the most or to scrub the most or be the first person to jump up on the stove and scrub the hoods or, you know, whatever it is. So what you're saying is don't um, just come down like on that person. Yeah. Don't just come down on that person. Uh, you don't have to do the entire job, but you need to show them that you're not willing to get down on your hands and knees beside them and show them what the standard is, show them what the expectation is. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Awesome. Uh, Definitely. What is one question you ask or thing or quality you're looking for when finding new people or interviewing others? Uh, so one, one question that I, I really like to ask when I interview somebody is why they left their last job. Mm. And it seems like a pretty simple thing. It's like, okay, well, you're just going to get an answer on why they left. But what I'm actually looking for is to see their professionalism and to see their level of uh, respect for uh, the people that they worked for, you know, do they, are they about to trash talk the mm-hmm. last restaurant that they worked at? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and I think you can tell a lot from somebody by Absolutely. their response to that question. Absolutely. So that's that's definitely a question that I always ask. It's a question on character. Like, what are you going to say about me behind yeah, my definitely. back? Uh, I mean, do you, <laughs> exactly. you might not get along with this team. It might have not been the right fit for you, but do you respect the people in this industry? Um, and the respect yeah, is huge. Exactly. I love that question. Um, what is a current challenge uh, you guys are dealing with over at SRV? Um, so I think a challenge uh, for me is probably – you know, being being a chef owner now or a chef partner is is creating challenges for you know, it's not just about Michael and I now creating food. It's we have to we have to inspire and teach our managers how to create food. Um, you know, we can't be the ones even though we'd love to be for the rest of our career to be in the kitchen every single day and be the ones that are creating food and teaching other people how to do it. Now we have to teach people how to create themselves. And I think that's something new for me to learn. Um, so it's a challenge for me, but it's a challenge that, you know, is exciting to, to kind of learn something new. Um, it's a new management kind of style for me. So I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. Awesome. And how have you been handling that challenge? Are you, how, how do you inspire other people to become more creative? I think first it's, it's important for people to, you know, you can't, you couldn't hire somebody and then in two weeks say, okay, well now let's start creating dishes. I think people need to work with us for a while to really understand the culture and the cuisine of SRV. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not Michael, it's not Michael's food. It's not my food. It's mm-hmm. SRV's food. Got it. And I think it's important for people to kind of understand what that cuisine is and then work within the, the parameters that, that the restaurant has kind of created. Because, you know, if Michael and I were just to create our food, it may not be what SRV is. You know, we're cooking, we're cooking food for SRV for the people that come into the restaurant at SRV. And it's not just cooking whatever the hell we want. It's cooking food that fits into the, the, the restaurant concept. It's yeah. cooking food. Yeah. That fits into the brand that people, you know, that we feel want to eat when they come here. Got you. So what I'm hearing from you is set those clear expectations, give people uh, a picture to, to shoot for an idea of who you are, what your, your, your values are, what your mission is. So when they come on, they, they have an idea of what you're expecting and they're not just shooting in the dark. They have, they have a, a goal to hit. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Uh, all right. So, what is one thing besides food that SRV does really well that you think uh, separates you from other restaurants in Boston? Um. Wow. So that's a tough question because I think that, um, you know, there's some great restaurants that are really, you know, pushing the envelope and doing great things not only for the food but for hospitality and service and treating their staff. So I think that. Um, you know, I think that we're constantly trying to come up with new ways to, like I mentioned before, to, to create a great work in, work environment for the staff, a place that people want to come to. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, our managers here, um, our general manager, Ted Hawkins does an amazing job and, and he's like, I joke with him all the time and call him flavor Flav cause he's, <laughs> he's like the hype. Yeah. He's, he's the hype man of, of SRV and he's, he wears so many hats and does a great job and, um, you know, he really does a great job motivating the staff and also the guests. He's, he could, I think he does such a great job. One of his, one of his strong suits is, um, kind of creating an atmosphere and not just about the music or, or whatever, but it's about, 
making people feel welcome the when energy. they come in to eat. Yeah, the energy. It's he does a great job of doing it for both the staff and the guests that come oh, I in. Love it. And I think that that's one thing that really sets us apart is having somebody like Ted um, that can, you know, be our hype man and also, um, you know, manage the entire restaurant and, and, you know, invest in all the staff members and um, create these guest relationships that hopefully will be long lasting. And so I think that that's really important. I I think he does an excellent job of that. Awesome example. Um, so what's one book, a must read, uh, for inspiration, for knowledge, uh, for any restaurant professional looking to open a restaurant? Uh, something that was really kind of inspirational for me as a young, as a younger cook, something that I still will like resort back to and read, um, a couple books actually, but by Charlie Trotter, lessons in excellence and lessons in service. Those, um, those books to me really kind of like opened my mind to, um, creating this professional outlook on the restaurant industry. And I think, you know, I spent a lot of time just thinking like, Oh, this is a job. It's for degenerates. And, you know, like I, I just messed around in high school and didn't really have anything, have any goals towards myself. So I just kind of like ended up in the restaurant business, but it's more than that. It's, you know, people are being attracted to this industry and there's people that are really, really intelligent and professionals. And I think that that, you know, as, as crazy as Charlie Trotter's legacy can be, you know, I think a lot of people could think he's like this tyrant or this crazy person, but he really was a pioneer in my opinion of, of like creating this culture of uh, restaurant workers or are professionals. And, and this is a, industry to be taken serious. Um, so I think those are really great books. You know, those are two books I have to admit, I have not picked up, but I think it's, it's well, I'm well overdue to get those in my library. And I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. It's those people who, who do take this profession seriously and who do recognize that there's more out there than just slinging food. And, you know, like, there's so much more. There's so much reward with doing this type of work well. And it's those who recognize it and those who strive for that excellence that make big strides in their career. So awesome point. Yeah, um, absolutely. So what is uh, current technology? What What is one thing that SRV, excuse me, SRV is doing well uh, that is kind of making you an evolved restaurant? Are you leveraging any technologies for efficiencies, communication? Uh, talk to us. Um. So... Gosh, I'm probably the last person to talk to about technology because <laughs> I'm, I'm like living under a rock sometimes. But so we use um, a system called Breadcrumbs, which has been really successful for us, and I think it's a great, it's a cloud-based POS system um, that has proven to be really effective for us. Um, and I think so. That's one. That's one piece of technology. Yeah. I think that that's been a really beneficial tool for us, but also. Um, we switched over currently to reserve, uh, awesome. from open table. We, we opened up with open table, which was, you know, they have their, their strong, strong points. It definitely did, um, program to be using, but, uh, so far we've been really happy with the reserve and, you know, would speak highly of that as well for, can you give us any specifics as to what it is about reserve that has, uh, been better versus previously used systems that serve the same purpose? Um, why is it better? You know, honestly, I'd have to, because I wasn't part of using open table every single day. This is Ted's work. Um, I understand. I think that some of the, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's some of the, some of the front of the house management where they specialize in knowing, you know, what the benefits are of reserve. But, 
Um, I think it's just more user friendly. I mm-hmm. think it's easier to kind of adapt your own systems and, um, the, you know, which is really important to us because every restaurant is different. Every floor plan is different and every, you know, maybe this restaurant has pre-theater, maybe this one has post-theater and being able to manipulate, um, the reservations and the systems a little bit more frequently and, um, in-house as opposed to the way that open table does, I think reserve kind of has the upper hand in that. Yeah. And I think you said it beautifully from what I've gathered from looking at, at different, uh, platforms out there, reserve is a one in a, a, a one and done platform. Cause like you said, every restaurant's different and it allows you to customize, uh, the, the, the tool for what your needs are. So whether you're a reservation restaurant or whether you're, um, first come first serve, um, you know, no reservation wait list type of restaurant, you can mix and match, uh, the, that tool to fit your needs. Uh, really cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. And if you're using breadcrumb, I'm sure you're probably using upserve, uh, which is, uh, integrated with breadcrumb. I, I know they're, they're, those companies are one now, uh, maybe Ted can speak to that, but um, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he's able to manage all those customer relations because of these resources like Upserve that are giving you the the platform to uh, to collect that information and to manage all that knowledge on your guests. So yeah, tools. definitely awesome stuff. Um, all right, uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and give your past self one piece of business advice, maybe that that past self that maybe took that that role as sous chef a little too soon what would your advice to your your past self be save money (laughs) why is that so important well i think so i mean you know part of what got me to where i was today was like the fact that i just kind of traveled and wasn't afraid to to spend money or go to a new country or to a new town in italy or whatever Uh, but also you know i didn't really start saving money until i was in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's important to, to kind of have a game plan of your finances at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that would be the biggest piece of, piece of advice I would give my younger self save younger. It. And I will say, I will say this for you. I mean, you were spending money, you were going out there and traveling, but I feel like those work experiences were all assets for you. So, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna yeah. spend the money, do it, in a way that's going to make you more valuable. It's going to make you more appealing on paper because um, those sure. experiences are all assets. So, I mean, I, I, I think you found a very um, good balance <laughs> because some people just waste money on going out with their buddies, drugs, the wrong things that we don't need in our life. Right. And it sounds like you did, yeah, uh, exactly. you, you got the right uh, investments made. So, um, all right. Uh, if, is there one question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Um, I think, yeah, maybe if we, if we, I think something that, you know, we talked about is like what got me to this point now. Mm. Um, but thinking about, you know, this, this isn't the end all be all. I'm not, you know, I'm not retiring tomorrow. So like, what's, what's the next step and what's, what's going to propel me even further along in my career and what, um, you know, what goals I have in the next 10 years and, all right, chef. I think that that, that could be a good question. So <laughs> now you're going to ask me the question. Yeah. What, what are your goals for the next 10 years? What's the next step? What's on the horizon? Um, <laughs> I set myself up tonight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I think, I think I'd like to continue, you know, growing a really focusing on SRV and making SRV better than ever. Um, you know, we got some great, uh, accolades in this year. Boston Magazine voted us the best 
Italian restaurant in Boston, which is huge. We're, we're super proud of that, but um, that's not the end all be all for us. And we want to continue to grow and we have, you know, we want to be recognized on a national scale. We want people to um, think of us as a destination restaurant. You know, if they're coming to Boston, they have to come check us out. So making sure that, that, um, you know, we're sought of in that way. And then in terms of myself, I'd like to, you know, I think, I think another business would be great for me. I'd like to explore other opportunities, um, you know, find a way to create a, a work, work-life balance where, you know, in 10 years, I'm not working, you know, as many hours as I am and I'm able to focus on other areas of my life. And, you know, I know it's probably <laughs> a little bit vague, but those That's are my awesome. goals at the moment I love it I love it I put you on the spot you gave us some good advice and uh, this has been a blast chef I've had such a, a pleasure talking to you learning from you uh, painting a picture oh, yeah, likewise. and just how you got to where you are and the attitude that it takes to, to have this, the success you've had um, it's time to call somebody out just real quick who's somebody you respect and admire in this industry somebody you think we could all just learn from uh, as a guest mentor like you've been for us today Sure. Um, so, I mean, obviously I'd want to give you every name of the, every person <laughs> yeah. that works in the restaurant with me now. Um, there's somebody that I worked with in New York that, uh, really, really passionate and was served as a mentor to me and now has his own business and his name is Matt Abdu. And I think he would be tons of fun to talk to really could, could offer some great insight and some and uh, drop some knowledge for you. Awesome. Matt Abdu, look out. I'm coming after you. And Matt Abdu. I would, he's, yeah, he's great. I think I'd love to get your boy Ted on this show too, because that sounds like a kind of guy Let's, that uh, the front, I would love to hear the front of house uh, angle on this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'll, I'll put you in touch with him. Look out, Matt and Ted. I'm coming after you guys. And uh, <laughs> let the folks at home know uh, if they are listening to you, they, they're in the Boston area or they're anywhere, but they, they're just inspired by what you're trying to create over at SRV. How can we connect? How can we come join your team? Um, yeah, so we um, obviously always looking for people that, that are passionate and wanting to, to be a part of something great. So um, they can, they can email my, my email is Kevin uh, at SRV.com or I'm sorry, S, SRVBoston.com. So send me an email um, or just come by the restaurant. I mean, we're uh, always open to having people come in and check out the restaurant. I definitely would encourage people to come and be a diner and, and be a guest and, and come eat the food, come enjoy the experience and the service. Dude, I'm, it's the place that they want to be at. I'm coming down. I'm only an hour drive on the the in New Hampshire, or an hour or a train ride. Where I'll get right off the train, the subway, and walk up and come pay you guys a visit because I think it's great what you guys are doing I over hope there. So. Uh, and I'll have awesome. Thank you so much. I'll have your contact information in the show notes. Just head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash two sixty nine for a summary of the resources a chef share with us, the books you share with us, and to uh, get that email to connect if you're looking to. Uh, take the next step in your culinary career. So chef, thank you so much for joining us. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Nice. Thank you so much. Eric. Great. Great talking with you. Cheers. Well, that was a lot of fun and tons of great advice in this interview. Some of the things that just really, I, I you know, when thinking back on this interview, the conversation I had, with Chef Kevin O'Donnell uh, is that, you know, he, he mentions having more money at the end of the interview, but uh, 
I agree. You know, you can never have too much money when trying to start a restaurant and trying to uh, get your your you know uh, <laughs> cozy lifestyle together. But he had great assets. That's something I think we need to pay attention to. Uh, in these assets, I'm talking about are the experiences that he created for himself at a young age and taking that risk, going overseas constantly learning, taking advantage of it every moment he had in those restaurants overseas to learn new skills and to impress people with his work ethic. And here's one thing you have to remember. Uh, your entire life is a job interview in this industry. Everyone knows everyone. If you bust your ass, if you're faithful, if you're, if you're, if you can be trust, if you can be trusted, if you are loyal and just a good person and you can build that network of people around yourself who just will vouch for you, who will go to bat for you, who will come to you for opportunities. Look how many times in his story, people came to him with opportunities and went to him because they knew that he was a hard worker, someone they could trust, someone that would connect them with other people. Um, and this relationship he had with Chef Lombardi, going back and forth, helping each other out. Are you creating these relationships for yourself? Are you constantly learning? Are you are you surrounding yourself with like-minded people that are going to push you to be better like he had in Lombardi? I mean, these are the things I pulled away from this interview. Um, and then, obviously, his advice about just making it um, – making your restaurant a place that has that culture that people want to come and work that you're not going to beat them to death. I mean, yeah, work ethic is important. Putting in the hours, busting your ass. That's all important. But do people want to work for you? Are they dreading to go to work? I mean, are you busting your ass, but still creating an environment where people are having a good time while they bust their ass? Um, these are the things you need to ask yourself. Am, am I doing these things? Am I creating a place that people want to come and work for? And I mean, those are the big lessons I took away from this interview. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, incredible uh, advice in today's chat. And uh, like always, guys, please reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. That's Eric with the C. I love connecting with my guests. I love hearing your opinions and how I can make this show better, your recommendations, people to to get on the show, people that you admire in your lives, people who have been mentors to you, people who can come on the show and teach us all a lesson. Um, help me connect with those people. And um, special thanks to Jillian Rocco for helping me connect with Chef Kevin O'Donnell. And uh, special thanks to just everybody in the past uh, week or two weeks, three weeks that have uh, there's been a surge in people just reaching out and sharing their thoughts. And you guys all know who you are and Screw it. I'm going to name drop. I'm going to show some gratitude. I'm going to call some people out and just thank you by name. Uh, Ted Teeter and Nick Callahan, uh, Bryant Allen, and uh, Nate Linskug. I think I said that right. Uh, all of you guys just uh, you know sharing your thoughts on the show, making recommendations on who I should get on the show. Uh, I mean, some great ideas. Nate had an idea that I get some of my listeners on the show, people who have been listening to Restaurant Unstoppable and to discuss how this show has helped them with their own success. Uh, so, I mean, just these are the things I love to hear. Then also, I got some reviews on iTunes. Um, two have come in. Let me just hop over to iTunes real quick. Uh, we have um, Z Goen. Thanks for that five-star review and the kind words. And I got one more that came through. I just, uh, it takes a day or two for me. I see that there is a rating, uh, but the review usually takes about a day longer to get approved by iTunes. So, you guys are out there. You're supporting the show. You're giving me the encouragement and uh, you're making great recommendations. Couldn't do this without you. 
So yeah, uh, you know, continue the support. Connect with me on Facebook. Shoot me an email, Eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Uh, schedule that one-on-one chat. I mean, I love those chats. Uh, I love just connecting and hearing about the people uh, who are listening, the challenges they're having, and trying to reflect on this content I've gathered over these past so almost three years now just to, to use that advice to help those who are listening. Uh, love that stuff. So please don't be shy. Uh, again, head over to RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash one-on-one uh, or just head over to the Restaurant Unstoppable. You'll find the logos there, the, the links, the banners to schedule that chat. Uh, love connecting. Can't say it enough. All right, guys. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>